everyone and welcome to today's live Q&A with productivity expert Nina Sunday. Hi Pip, thanks, uh, thanks for being here to ask me some questions and looking forward to sharing with everybody today. Great, yeah, my name is Pip Savaris and I'm a recent PR graduate and I've been working with Brainpower Training for three years now. And um, Nina Sunday is the managing director. And so she has taught me a wealth of knowledge over the years when it comes to time management and productivity. So we're excited to be here today to share some of those tips with you all. Yes, Pip, you've been with us, uh, this is your third year now, so you've been certainly uh, a, a valuable asset to our, uh, to our team and uh, thanks for all your uh, contributions. So you've certainly internalised a lot of the principles of uh, yes. priority management, so uh, I felt that you were a good person to ask questions. <laughs> yes, definitely. So the first question, what are some of the major differences with working from home and working in office, especially now with everything that's going on? Well, Pip, the, the, the problem is the lines get blurred between work and home. At, at work, you've got a dedicated space that's, uh, and you're separate from your family and any other cohabitants. So uh, what we have to do is actually to create a sense of normality is actually still maintain some of those boundaries. Now, one of the boundaries that I observe that people aren't creating is not answering emails when it's well after hours. Um, sometimes I think that people feel compelled that just because an email came in at 11 o'clock at night and they, they happen to see it that they have to answer it. Yeah. Uh, or they feel guilty if they don't um, or that they're proven guilty if they're kind of always on. But honestly, uh, that can definitely lead to burnout yeah. if you don't create that, create that boundary. Yeah, definitely. And that leads me to my next question that working from home, how can you create those boundaries? Like without, besides emails, how do you separate work and non-work time, especially when you'll have other things to do at home that you wouldn't usually if you were working in the office? Well, there's a couple of um, suggestions that, that people make and it has to be what works for you. Uh, certainly we can wear, possibly wear more comfortable clothes than we might <laughs> wear at the office, but do get out of your pajamas. <laughs> I know there's actually a book called Working in Your Pajamas, but it, it's probably better if you don't. And one little tip is once upon a time, we actually used to uh, hop on a train or a bus or a car and actually commute or travel to work. One suggestion is to actually, if it's good weather, go for a walk around the block. So you actually create that space of, yes, I'm leaving the house now, I'm leaving private life, and when I return, I'm in work mode. So that's one way to do it. Um, the, the other thing is, is to make sure you're not working in isolation and make sure that your immediate supervisor uh, is having a virtual check-in with you, possibly at least once a day. Now, of course, the whole issue of maybe too frequent check-ins uh, check can be... <laughs> not frequent enough is, is probably not allowing you to feel connected to something bigger than yourself. So that sense of belonging to a team is important. So the virtual check-ins are important. And even if you couldn't make it for whatever reason, having a replay available that, that your uh, supervisor or someone from the team sends you, so you can actually check in with what everybody's doing. That, that really helps you feel connected. So it's about boundaries and feeling connected. And I've got one final tip. Never, ever, ever work in bed. 
Mm -hmm. Never, ever check your work email while you're still lying in bed. And I don't care if you're checking on what UK office did or what US office did. Just give yourself a yep. morning ritual, the mental space to just get up, get refreshed, and your body has to come into harmony for the day. It has to emit certain hormones that takes you from sleep to wakefulness, and you're much better off not letting uh, all that onslaught come in. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's super important to somehow keep your routine as normal as it was to when you were going to work. It just creates that helpfulness, morning coffee, whatever you did. So the next question, you mentioned it before, but is there an increased risk of burnout with people working from home? And why is that? Yeah, well, apparently there is. I mean, uh, but if you think about it, um, some people are not focusing on working to priority and doing what's important. And they're just filling their day with busyness somehow to give the appearance that they're busy to prove their loyalty. Or, or maybe they just don't know how to work to priority. And in this session, I will be giving you some, uh, some secrets of how to work to priority. But here's my question, and it's a question I ask groups when I'm delivering training face-to-face, -face, but the same question applies when you're working from home. Do you take a physical lunch break away from your desk at least 30 minutes? Now, when I ask that question to live groups, about 60 to 70% of people say, no, I don't take a lunch break. Like, well, don't you know everybody works through lunch? It's like, that is such a killer yeah. productivity. I'll tell you why. Number one, we do need frequent short breaks. No more than 50 minutes should we be sitting in one spot before we stand up, even walk around the house and come back because it pumps, the blood pumps oxygen and glucose to the brain. And it's, it's a micro break, but we need it because we are physical beings. We're not cyborgs you know, that are just on. We're not robots. Yeah. So being aware that we are physical beings and that sitting is the new non-smoking, which means if we sit for too long, it is a danger to our health. So whether you're in office or at home, frequent short breaks. Now, one way to do it is um, maybe every 50 minutes, take a five-minute break or give yourself the chance to look at blue sky at least once a day. That assumes you've got blue sky. If you're in a, if it's the weather's grey or it's winter, and you go out and it's grey sky, so so be it. But at least change your horizon, change your viewpoint, so that you get a sense of uh, there's another world out there apart from what I'm doing inside. There's research to suggest that if people take maybe five minutes off at least every hour or even every half hour they are actually more happy at work than if they just keep powering through. So get rid of any guilt about taking a short break. And once upon a time, when more people were smoking, there was some research about the fact that people, smokers would take a smoke break, maybe every hour, maybe every two hours. They were actually more productive because of those frequent short breaks. So that is really key. So don't feel guilty. That's the important thing. Realise that it's, an, it's, a, it's a productivity break. 
Yes, I definitely agree with that. I know when we work in office, obviously now we're working from home, but when we're in the office, we have morning tea, we have lunch, sometimes afternoon tea, and it really helps to get us back on track, focused, have a little break, and then we can just keep going. Well, the other thing is you can actually have a virtual coffee with yeah. team members, and that makes you feel connected. And I know, Pip, you've been working from home and so have I. We've been taking virtual lunch yeah. breaks, virtual coffee breaks together, and well, we worked well together face to face, but temporarily. We help you to catch up a bit and just to make sure you're all on the same page with what you're doing, how your life is, just a bit of a brief catch up really. It helps a lot. And working from home, we do have to find ways to minimise interruptions, like especially if you have children that come home from school. Look, I recommend use the natural opportunities that come up. If, if you've got a spouse who's cooking dinner, which means they don't particularly want your attention or focus and the children are perhaps doing homework, be flexible with your hours. Maybe you take time off in the day knowing that you've got an extra hour in the yeah. evening while someone's cooking dinner and the children are doing homework, that you can actually fit in an hour there. But don't yeah. feel that you have to work all the way through and do that time as well. So it's about being flexible with your hours but and not feeling on all the time. That's how you'll avoid burnout. Yes, definitely agree with that. Mm. Um, another question that I'm sure a lot of people would love to know how to help with is dealing with feeling overwhelmed, whether that's in the office or working from home. And what are some of the things that people can do to feel more in control of what they're doing at work? That is probably the number one question I get when it comes to uh, priority management. And my number one answer is, uh, or is another question, which is, do you have a task list? And most people say yes, whether it be a notebook or a document on the computer or an app on the phone or iPad. Um, yes, it's important to have a list, but do you write down absolutely everything or just the critical things? And think about this. If you're not writing down absolutely everything or just doing the two minute tasks, right? Where are you keeping that list of what all the other things you have to do in your memory, correct? Now, there's a, there's a condition called mind churn. And that's the condition that either upon going to sleep or upon awakening, as your mind shifts from bra uh, beta brainwave cycles into alpha brainwave cycles into the sleep realm, uh, while it's in that relaxed alert stage, that's where your subconscious has a chance to communicate with you and say, oh, you asked me to remember to remind you, I'm giving you an example, uh, you've got to send this, you've got to do that, you've got to post that, you've got to write that, you've got to prepare that report. All the things you thought you had handled that were rolling around in your head, they will come back to haunt you as you're falling asleep and as you're coming awake. So if you want to sleep like a baby <laughs> and wake up feeling calm, relaxed and in control, have everything recorded out of your head, whether it be on paper, in a document, in a task list. I'm not prescriptive about how you do it, although I've got some suggestions to make, but it's all about getting it out of your head. Yes, I am definitely guilty of that too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, the thing I'm guilty of is... That whole thing about if it's a two-minute job, don't write it down. Yes. Occasionally, that two-minute job, I go, oh, it's just a two-minute job. But I didn't do it. 
So it yep. comes back to haunt me. Mm-hmm. Can't do it straight away. Even a two-minute job needs to go on your list. Yes, I definitely agree. Whether it's buying milk or posting something at the post box, like I just write it down and we'll get to it later. It's out of your head and it's on paper. That's the most important thing, I think. The other thing about overwhelm too is self-management. I remember in the early days of running my business, and that's several decades ago now, uh, a lot of things would come in stacking on top of each other. And I had ambitions, you know, of growing a, a great business, which I have. And I remember things would come in and I'd get up from my desk and I'd go, how's it all going to get done? There's not enough time. And it was these messages I was sending myself that were unresourceful and you've really got to manage your self-talk. And what I find is take a deep breath. And if you start to feel overwhelmed, there's not enough time, that's a sure sign you've been sitting down for too long. You should actually get up and take a five-minute break. And it's amazing how more refreshed you feel when you get back after a five or ten minute break, just feel like you can you can take more on. Yeah. Usually a sure sign you've been sitting in one spot for too long and your brain has, has stopped firing and it probably needs a burst of uh, glucose and oxygen that the bub pump, blood pumps to it. Yes, I think it's good as well to give yourself a bit of perspective and that it's like, it's okay, it's not all about this computer. You can go outside, breathe, have some fresh air and come back with a clear, clear slate and fresh mind. Also something that I want to ask is what are the biggest no-nos that you have observed people do that contributes to people feeling under pressure, whether that's from their boss or just, you know, life in general with work? Well, thanks for asking. And the reason I know the answers to these questions is I actually trained at film and television school in Sydney on how to be a production manager for feature films and television. And I did work in at ABC television, but I didn't really, when I started my business, I found out what I didn't know because uh, what I didn't realise is that if you have a must-do, you really need to get that done early in the day. Because if you start your day thinking, I'll reward myself by doing only the things I like to do, and I've got plenty of time to get my must-dos done in the afternoon, Murphy's Law, something's going to come in in the afternoon that takes up your time, and then suddenly you're staying back uh, in order to get something finished that was due that day. So uh, Brian Tracy wrote a book called Eat That Frog, and the frog is do the thing you least want to do either as item number one or item number two in the day. Um, there's also a thing called the busyness paradox, is that people think that if they're engaged in activity and being busy, that they're being productive. We really must work to priority. So I recommend that people actually re, uh, or reorder their list in order of priority so that they're always looking at the list in terms of what's the next most important thing to do or, or what's the most um, a significant thing for me to do right now. And that's what they do. So that means that with the 80-20 rule, they're working on the top 20% of tasks that actually yields an 80% result. So, yes. Um, oh, and I've got one more thing. Mm-hmm minimizing interruptions and especially the biggest interruption that 60 or 70% of people have is that email alert when a new email comes yes. in. Checking emails one at a time, that's a no-no. 
Yes, I, that's, I was about to ask that about Outlook. Um, but we have one question in the chat box. So how do you determine priorities? I think that's a great question that you could talk about with the important versus urgent. Okay, well, uh, there's competing priorities, I understand. There's a number of criteria you can use. It depends on, okay, there's urgent versus important, right? So sometimes, uh, and this is where we, we can avoid burnout, if we're always doing only urgent things, if more than 75% of your day is working on urgent tasks, you're actually a candidate for burnout. We need to be working on important tasks ahead of their timeline. Now, some people, when they're working from home, feel as if, if they're working on the urgent tasks, they give the appearance of getting things done. But honestly, if you're working on the important things that aren't due yet, then you're, you actually have a level of calmness and you're doing things in slow motion rather than in a rush. Or mm -hmm. not so much slow motion, but you're doing things at a pace that is... More calm. Yeah, you're not, you're not sort of running against the... Um, uh, you know, the, the, the time is of the essence issue with the, the sand going through the hourglass and <laughs> don't get it done, you know, the whole, the whole project is going to fall apart. Yes, that's a great answer for that one. I think that's very important. Um, now, do I have time to ask one more question, do we think? You do. Great. Um, I think the, the, you started talking about Outlook before, but mm. I think, were there any, oh, actually, we have another question in the chat box. I'll have a look at that one. So the question is, what if you need a bit of a burning deadline to get you motivated? Okay, I've, I've come across- That's a great question. Yes, I've come across this. It actually depends on your uh, behavioral style. And I've actually done a values questionnaire where there's a certain uh, behavioral preference where people actually can only get motivated with timelines or deadlines. I think if you can, well, then you just have to know that, that that's, that's what you are like. But if you feel as if the self-talk is of a negative kind, it's like, oh, this is too hard, or life isn't worth living, or, you know, all those phrases that make you feel like there's a weight around your neck, then it's not motivating at all. It's actually uh, the albatross around your neck, right? So if you find timelines do motivate you, great. But here's another trick or a, a, another observation. When you look at the things on your task list, is it, a is it actually a cluster of separate small tasks or is it actually the next action step? By that I mean, say you have to finish a report. Well, it is possible that um, in order to finish a report, say for the board, your, you had on your list that you wanted to get 10 responses from different people as a way to give the board an understanding of how the project is going. But you might go, well, do I have, there's this whole adequate versus perfect dichotomy. Do I actually need all 10? Because that's creating stress because I'm having to chase it up and it's not coming in and it means I can't move the, the, the board report forward. You could ask your supervisor or even someone from the board say, if I had a representative example of the patterns I see from the replies that have come in to date, would that be good enough for the report? And sometimes you can negotiate saying, look, I'm having trouble getting all those responses in. 
do you think we could uh, just go with uh, a representative sample? So separate uh, any to-do item into its separate tasks, and you can always renegotiate the, the task based on um, what is pragmatic, because sometimes it's pragmatic to work with what three said rather than waiting for all what all 10 said, for example. Yes, definitely. Um, I have one question that I would like to ask when that I think is pertinent to a lot of people working from home. What happens if your boss is micromanaging you whilst working from home, especially with the emails and constantly asking where you're at with things? The thing about micromanaging is if your supervisor is a micromanager in the office, they will most likely be a micromanager when you're working from home. And there's a couple of tactics. One is, I'm gonna suggest, number one, delegate up in the sense that communicate up. Uh, you might actually, if they're not having a virtual check-in with you, even if it's 10 minutes at the start of each day for you to give them an update, it doesn't have to be the start of each day. It could be the middle of the day, the end of the day. But ask for a virtual check-in. So you can actually confirm with them that this is what you're doing and you feel that you've got, a, you feel competent with uh, getting the outcome that they want. What's the outcome that they want? And find, look, there's language patterns that you can use that actually might persuade them to actually try a different way of doing it. There's, a, um, there's phrases like, would you be willing to? Would you be willing to let me have a go at doing it uh, my way as long as I get the outcome that you're after. Yep. Now, of course, depend if they're a micromanager, they also might be a control freak. Yeah. <laughs> they might say, no, I want you to do it my way. But certainly, if you can even, uh, there's another phrase, there is more than one way to do it. So it's mm -hmm. all about doing, doing it respectfully and avoiding any sarcastic or um, or disrespectful tone in your voice, but just opening up the, co the, the conversation, the channels of communication and saying, look, I have an idea about how we might streamline the process. Uh, would you be willing to let me have a go? And if I, this is the if then construction, if I fill you in each day and if it doesn't fit your vision of how the, uh, the outcome should be achieved, perhaps then, uh, you and I can both decide to come back to the original way of doing it. So just find a way to sort of negotiate in a way that they still have the perception of control, but you also have an element of choice. And that's, that's really important because self-autonomy is definitely key to feeling happy and on top of things at work. Yeah. Uh, when you're working from home. Yes, definitely. All right, so if nobody had any other questions. Oh, I had one other, one other uh, hmm. thought around um, uh, word structures, that intentional language that really works. Uh, and we had a conversation about this yesterday, Pip. <laughs> I thought you that to remember to include a reason for things and starting with the word because. Oh, yes. I find that uh, people ask me for things and they won't tell me why. But then I'll say, look, I don't really understand why you're asking me to do this. You mind telling me why? Uh, I'd appreciate it. That's another good phrase to use. Question, comma, I'd appreciate that. It's, it's courtesy, courte courteous, is to use the, word, use the word because. 
because I'm not clear of your re of the of why this is required, would you mind communicating with me uh, what why I need to do this? So it, it'll get, and give because it'll give me context. So just remembering that because. Yeah, I think that's very helpful. I recently had to do an email like that, and I said because I was in a rush doing this, that, and whatever else, I made a mistake on my paper so that was definitely a great tactic and i got a great response so the because is very helpful right that's good well i think the final question is how can you stay motivated I was just about to ask you that <laughs> uh well we we talked we did talk about this earlier how can you stay motivated yeah. at work um don't be too busy to stop and learn allow yourself the benefit of 30 minutes a day learning something new, even if it's trialing new uh, software as a service or, and, and, and actually get, get your, your manager or your office to uh, confirm or approve that you can spend 30 minutes a day learning something new, whether it be or any uh, masterclass that's available on, on the website. I'm giving myself the gift of an hour a day with a live Q&A with uh, the, the platform that's hosting my online courses called Kajabi. I'm learning the back end of Kajabi just through live uh, questions and answers. And I'm feeling more in control because I'm, I'm filling my knowledge reservoir on a daily basis. Now, it doesn't have to be about a platform. It could just be professional development. It could just be mindset. It could be getting a big picture view of the world, having a more spiritual uh, view of our situation. So allow yourself that gift of the mental space to actually have time to learn new things. Yeah, definitely. There's a, another little question in the chat box if we have time for a last one. So do you class reading industry articles and update as learning? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, D-E-A-R, drop everything and read at least 10 minutes a week. And if you can, can do 10 minutes a day, that's great because that's your professional development and there's personal and there's professional development. You choose what you want to do, but staying abreast of recent trends is so important and it's filling that reservoir uh, uh, of, of your knowledge that's really important. Uh, I find the people that don't learn anymore, they're the ones that are usually of fixed mindset, that are less open to change, they're not agile, they're more, um, they have ways of doing things and they think it's the only way. There's, if you do brainstorming, there's at least 20 plus ways <laughs> yeah. to resolve a problem, not just one. Thank you, Nina, for joining us today and answering some questions and helping us all with time management and productivity. I know I've learned so much just from this session. My pleasure. And, um, well, uh, we look forward to have, hosting these uh, live Q&As on a regular basis. So thanks, Pip, for the opportunity to, uh, for me to answer your questions and uh, thanks, too, for the attendees. So we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye for now. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.